stories nine and ten of st andrew's ghost stories by william thomas linskill this librivox recording is in the public domain story nine the screaming skull of greyfriars i never met a better fellow in the world than my old friend alan beecham he had been educated at eton and maudlin in oxford after which he joined a crack regiment and later on took it into his head to turn doctor he was a great traveller and a magnificent athlete there was no game in which he did not excel curiously enough he hated music he had no ear for it and he did not know the difference between the airs of tommy make room for your uncle and the lost chord he was tremendously proud of his pedigree he had descended from the de beechams and one of his ancestors he gravely informed people had helped noah to get the wasps and elephants into the ark another of them seems to have been not very far away in the garden of eden in fact they seem to have been quite prehistoric he was quite cracked on the subject of brain transference telepathy spiritualism ghosts warnings and the like and on these points he was most uncanny and fearsome the literature he had about them was blood-curdling he believed in dual personality and in visions horoscopes and dreams he showed me a pamphlet he had written entitled the toad-faced demon of lone devil's dyke he was always flitting about britain exploring haunted houses and castles and sleeping in haunted rooms when it was possible some years ago beecham and myself accompanied by his faithful valet rejoicing in the name of pellingham truffles went to the highlands for a bit of quiet and rest and it was there i heard his curious story of the skull we were sitting over a cosy fire after dinner it was snowing hard outside and very cold our pipes were alight and our grog on the table when alan beecham suddenly remarked it's a deuced curious thing for a man to be always followed about the place by a confounded grinning skull what i said who in the deuce is being followed about by a skull it's rubbish and quite impossible not a bit said my friend i've had a skull after me more or less for several years it sounds like a remark a lunatic would make i rejoined rather crossly do not talk buncombe you'll go dotty if you believe such infernal rot it is not buncombe or rot a bit said alan it's gospel truth ask truffles ask jack weston or jimmy darkgood or any of my south country pals i don't know jack weston or jimmy darkgood i said but tell me the whole story and some day if it's good i'll put it in the st andrew citizen it's mostly about st andrew said beecham so here goes but shove on some coals first i did so and then requested him to fire away it was long long ago i think about the year fifteen thirteen that one of my ancestors a man named neville de beecham resided in scotland it seemed he was an uncommonly wild dog went in for racing and cards and could take his wine and ale with any of them even in those hard-drinking days he was known as flash neville later on he married a pretty girl the daughter of a silk mercer in perth who it seems died they say of a broken heart two years after neville de beecham was seized with awful remorse and became shortly after a monk in greyfriars monastery at st andrews 
after neville's wife's death her relations seemed to have been on the hunt after him burning for revenge and the girl's brother a rough wild dog in those stormy days at last managed to track his quarry down in the monastery at st andrews very interesting i said that monastery stood very nearly on the site of the present infant school and we found the well in eighteen eighty well what did this brother do eh it seems that one afternoon after vespers he forced his way into the monastery chapel sought out neville de beecham and slashed off his head with a sword in the aisle of the kirk now a queer thing happened his body fell on the floor but the severed head with a wild scream flew up to the chapel ceiling and vanished through its roof mighty queer that i said the body was reverently buried went on allan but the head never was recovered and whirling through the air over the monastery screaming and groaning most pitifully it used to cause great terror to the monks and others and knights it was a well-known story and few cared to venture in that locality after nightfall the head soon became a skull and since that time has always haunted some member of the house of beecham now comes a strange thing i went a few years ago and lived in rooms at st andrews for a change and while there i heard of my uncle's death somewhere abroad i had never seen him but i had frequently heard that he was very much perplexed and worried by the tender attentions paid him by the skull of neville de beecham which was always turning up at odd times and in unexpected places this is a grand tale i said now i come on the job said allan ruefully that uncle was the very last of our family and i wondered if that skull would come my way i felt very ill and nervous after i got the news of my uncle's death a strange sense of depression and oppression came over me and i got very restless one stormy evening i felt impelled by some strange influence to go out i wandered about the place for several hours and got drenched i felt as if i was walking in my sleep or as if i had taken some drug or other then i had a sort of vision i had just rounded the corner of north bell street now called greyfriars garden i remarked yes well when i got around that corner i saw a large strange building before me i opened a wicket gate and entered what i found to be the chapel service was over the lights were being extinguished and the air was laden with incense as i knelt in a corner of the chapel i saw the whole scene the tragedy of which i had heard enacted all over again i saw that monk in the aisle i saw a man rush in and cut off his head i saw the body fall and the head fly up with a shriek to the roof when i came to myself i found i was sitting on the low wall of the school i was very cold and wet and i got up to go home as i rose i saw lying on the pavement at my feet what appeared to be a small football i gave it a vicious kick when to my horror it turned over and i saw it was a skull it was gnashing its teeth and moaning then with a shriek it flew up in the air and vanished a horrible thing then i knew the worst the skull of the monk neville de beecham had attached itself to me for life i being the last of the race since then it is almost always with me 
where is it now i said shuddering not very far away you bet he said it's a most unpleasant tale i said good night i'm off to bed after that i was in my first sleep about an hour afterward when a knock came at my door and the valet came in sorry to disturb you sir he said but the skull has just come back it's in the next room would you like to see it certainly not i roared get away and let me go to sleep then and there i firmly resolved to leave next morning i hated skulls and i fancied that probably it might take a fancy to me and i had no desire to be followed about the country by a skull as if it was a fox terrier next morning i went in to breakfast where is that beastly skull i said to alan oh it's off again somewhere heaven knows where but i have had another vision a waking vision what was it well said alan i saw the skull and a white hand which seemed to beckon to me beside it then they slowly receded and in their place was what looked like a big sheet of paper on it in large letters were the words your friend jack weston is dead this morning i got this wire telling me of his sudden death read it that afternoon i left the highlands and alan beecham since then i have constant letters from him from his home in england he has tried every means possible to get rid of that monk's skull but they are of no avail it always returns so he has made the best he can of it and keeps it in a locked casket in an empty room at the end of a wing of the old house he says it keeps fairly quiet but on stormy nights wails and gruesome shrieks are heard from the casket in that closed apartment i heard from him last week he said dear w t l i don't think i mentioned that twice a year the skull of neville de beecham vanishes from its casket for a period of about two days it is never away longer i wonder if it still haunts its old monastery at st andrews where its owner was slain do write and tell me if any one now in that vicinity hears or sees the screaming skull of my ancestor neville de beecham End of story nine story ten the spectre of the castle several years had elapsed since i met the butler of lowsdry castle in the highland inn i had just come up from the south of england for some golf and fresh air and was looking over my letters one morning at breakfast when i opened the following missive lowsdry castle sir yours to command sir i have not forgot our pleasant talk on that snowy night up in the far north when you were pleased to be interested in my experience of lowsdree could you very kindly meet me any day and time you wish to fix at lashers and oblige your obedient servant jeremiah anklebone p s i have something to divulge to you connected with st andrews that may absorb your mind accordingly i fixed up arrangements and met mr anklebone in lucia's where we went to the nearest hostelry and ordered the best lunch they had there jeremiah looked thinner older and whiter than when i last saw him doubtless owing to his frequent communing with spirits how is lowsdry getting on i meekly inquired and what of the ghost 
it is getting on fine sir i have had a number of new experiences since i had the pleasure of seeing you last you must understand sir that my family for generations have been favoured with occult powers my father was a great seer and my great-grandfather mr crockety anklebone of the isle of skye was a wonderful visionary now anklebone was an interesting old fellow but he had a tiresome habit of wandering away from his theme and as it were getting off the main road into a labyrinth of byways and one had metaphorically to push him out of these side lanes and place him on his feet again on the main road before i come to st andrew's castle he said i must tell you about a queer episode of an astral body at lowstree a disentangled personality as it were push along i said and tell me well one afternoon after luncheon the master and i were in the dining-room when we saw a gentleman crossing the lawn towards the castle he was a tall man in a riding-dress with curly hair and a large flowing moustache he came up to the window and looked in earnestly at us and then walked along the gravel walk round to the castle door hello said the master that is my old friend jack herbert to whom i have let lowsdry for this summer what on earth can bring him here i'll go to the door myself and let him in he never said he was coming in a minute or two the master came back looking bewildered anklebone he said there's a very queer thing there is nobody there perhaps i suggested the gentleman has gone round to the stables so we both hurried off to look but not a sign of any one could be seen and then we stared blankly at each other we could not make it out two days after the master got a letter from mr jack herbert telling him he had had a bad fall off his horse had injured his spine and was confined to bed mr herbert went on to say that two days before while he was asleep he dreamt vividly that he was at lowsdry that he crossed the lawn to the window of the dining-hall and looking in saw my master and the butler uh, that's me in the room he was going round to the front door when he awoke now that was his astral body that master and i saw he loved lowsdry and during sleep he came and paid us that visit queer isn't it ten days after he died he wanted to see the old castle before he died and his force of will-power brought his double self or astral body to visit us it is not so uncommon as people think numbers of people are seen in two places at once far apart look at archbishop sharp of st andrews he was in edinburgh at holyrood i think and sent his servant over post-haste to st andrews to bring back some papers he had forgotten there when his trusty servant went up to his study in the novum hospitium to get the papers from the desk lo there was the archbishop sitting in his usual chair and scowling at him he told the archbishop this when he returned with the papers to edinburgh but his grace sternly bade him be silent and mention the matter to no one on pain of death now sir it seems that my master is able to see astral bodies for he saw mr jack herbert but i doubt if he could see a real spirit perhaps sir suggested anklebone politely you might be able to see astral bodies thank you very much indeed i replied but i'm blank if i want to see anything of the sort 
but i have heard a tale of an eminent man in london who took a nap in his armchair every afternoon and while asleep appeared to his friends in different parts of the country but i doubt the fact very much ah said the butler very solemnly only about one in a thousand has the power of visualizing real spirits many ordinary persons have long sight and some have short sight but most people are short-sighted when ghosts are visible the ghosts are really there all the time some people cannot see them but can feel their presence or touch only most animals can see spirits sometimes they are killed with terror when they see the spirits i pulled the bell rope and ordered some spirits for the butler i don't think that will kill you with terror i said when it arrived he looked grateful and remarked that talking was dry work however interesting the subject might be now look here mr anklebone i said you know i dare say the stories about the cathedral the haunted tower and all that please tell me what your experiences have been there anklebone's whole appearance suddenly changed he gripped my arm violently shivered and shuddered and turned ghastly pale i thought he was going to have a fit for pity's sake sir he said trembling ask me nothing about that there is something too terrible there but i dare not reveal what i know and have seen to any one do not allude to it again or it will drive me mad he lay back in his chair for a few moments with his eyes closed and shaking all over but he gradually recovered his usual appearance i wish to tell you about the castle spectre he said weakly i must confess that i felt nonplussed and disappointed at the turn the conversation had taken as whatever my private opinion was regarding the worthy jeremiah's curious statements still i felt anxious to find out his experiences at the cathedral particularly however i swallowed my disappointment like a trojan and begged him to proceed he gulped down his spirits and informed me he felt better again but he did not seem quite himself for some time well sir he said i often used to climb over the castle wall after dusk and smoke my pipe and meditate on all the grand folk that must have been there in bygone days before the smash-up i thought of lovely young queen mary of mary hamilton and her other marys of lord darnley of the poet castellar of lord arran and the duke of rothsey and all the stuart kings that used to be there then i thought of prior hepburn and poor murdered cardinal beaton and of monks knights and lovely wenches that used to frequent the old place i loved it for i have read history a lot one could not help thinking of the feasting revelry and pageants of those interesting old times and the grand services in the churches and what fine dresses everybody wore i saw he was going bang off the subject again and when he began to tell me there were lots of ankle bones in norman times about fifeshire i had to pull him back with a jerk to his ghost at the castle very well sir i was in the castle one evening and i was sitting on the parapet of the old wall when i saw a head appearing up the old broken steps on the east side of the castle that once led down to the great dining hall i knew no one could now come up that way without a ladder from the sea-beach and when the figure got to the level ground it came right through the iron railing just as if no obstruction were there i stared hard and watched the advancing figure 
it looked like a woman i had heard of the cardinal's ghost and wondered if it could be his eminence himself nearer and nearer it came and although it was a gusty evening i noticed the flowing garments of the approaching figure were quite still and unruffled by the wind it was like a moving statue as it passed me slowly a few yards away i saw they were not the robes of a cardinal but those of an archbishop i am a churchman and know the garments quite well i saw all his vestments clearly and i shall never forget the pale ashen set face and the thin determined mouth then i noticed one very very strange thing the statuesque tall figure had a thick rope round the neck and the end of the rope was trailing along the grass behind it but there was no sound whatever on it went and began to climb the stairs to the upper apartments i tried to follow but could not move for a bit i felt as if i was mesmerized or paralyzed i was all in a cold sweat too and i was glad to get away from the castle at last and hurry home i haven't gone so fast for many years when i went next day to lorsry i made a clean breast of the whole affair to master would you know him again he asked me ay i replied i would know that face and figure among a thousand come to the study said the master and i will show you some pictures we went and i looked over a number of them at last i came to one that fairly transfixed me there was no mistaking the face before me was the picture of the spectre i had seen the previous night in the ruined castle of st andrews well anklebone said the master this is really wonderful and you actually saw the rope round his neck i did i said as i am a living man but who is it it is not the cardinal no said the master very gravely this man was publicly hanged by his enemies on a gibbet at the market cross of stirling on april first fifteen seventy one but who was he i asked imploringly the man or ghost you saw said master was archbishop john hamilton of st andrews in his own castle grounds where he once reigned supreme i said farewell to mr anklebone and as i thought over his extraordinary story journeying home in the train i could not help repeating over and over again to myself that very curious name that seemed to rhyme with the motion of the train crickle anklebone end of story ten